Здравствуйте, дамы и господа. Я вас приглашаю в сам новый эпизод. У нас есть такие фильмы вам показать. А сегодня обсуждение будет про 2004 года, 2004 года фильма «Ночной дозор» режиссера Тимура Бекмамбетова с книги Сергея Люкиненко. И я, конечно, ваш «Ночной». And I am Josh Malone. So close. I just so wait until I heard your name and then a pause. I was like, that's probably it. Uh, my name. <laughs> yes, welcome. As 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 Yaakov clearly probably just said to another episode of We Have Such Films to Show You. Uh, this is episode 41, the one that starts with him talking in Russian because Yaakov can totally speak Russian. Uh, and it's a Russian film, so it's topical. Uh, I am I am still Josh Millard, I guess. <laughs> Um, and I'm Yako. Uh, and we're talking about uh, Nightwatch, 2004 uh, Russian. I, you know, I mean, this is this is one of the less horror movies we've done on the podcast. Yeah. Uh, it's not it's not totally out of there. There's a bunch of stuff that I feel ties into the horror genre, but it's a little bit more like sort of supernatural fantasy. Fantasy, yeah, sort of it's urban. Solidly in the urban fantasy. Yeah. Genre. Uh, but a, a really fun movie, and you know, I saw this uh, several years ago. I think I saw this bef- probably before Daywatch was released, like not when it was brand new, but you know, sometime in 2005, maybe 2006, uh, and had no idea that there actually was a sequel. Uh, even though, uh, and this is one of the funny things I'd forgotten about this film. Boy, this movie just sort of stops halfway through a story, doesn't it? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It definitely does. There's just it. it you know, it, it goes and it goes and goes, and it's just like, all right, we finished off. You know, there, there's because there's two plots that are. You think they're intertwined, but it turns out they are not remotely intertwined. Um, and then you know, it, it. You know, one of the plots just it's like, all right, it more or less resolves, and then the second plot is just like, all right, this is you know, maybe halfway through the content of that plot, the movie's just like, all right, that's it. Yeah, it's like it's like a. It's, It's like an episode like of a TV or... show. Yeah, yeah. It's uh, definitely like a season finale sort of to be continued thing. Where yeah, like... So we had the episode plot, but then we had the continuity plot. They were both in there. And it wasn't clear till the end of the film that one was just the episode plot and the other one is definitely the continuity. Um, so I, I feel I feel a little bit silly about it because like in retrospect, if I'd remembered how much it was like that, I would have said, let's just watch both so we can talk about the whole thing. But instead, you've you've seen both as well. No, I've just. You're this not? is actually oh, the first okay. time I've seen this one. Well, I, we'll I, just talk about this one. I mean, I'm sure I'll reference stuff from the second one that I vaguely recall. But, uh, but yeah, um, that, that's really interesting. And had you seen this one before? I hadn't. No. Oh, okay. Uh, How exciting! Yeah, I remember like everybody talking about it, and I just for some reason never got around to seeing it. Like my mom knew about this movie, my grandparents <laughs> knew about this movie. It was it was a bit of a phenomenon. You know, they were calling it like I think I think more at least a couple people refer to it as like the Russian Matrix or something <laughs> along those lines. You know, um, it reminded and, me uh, of like 
as far as like CGI uh, driven aspects of, of filmmaking from that sort of general area, it actually reminded me more of some of the directorial stuff David Fincher was doing. Um, like some of the big uh, tracking CGI shots of like the, the bolt falling from the airplane and whatnot. Oh yeah. You know, yeah. It really reminded me of some of the effects that Fincher did uh, with sort of CGI and, and cinematography melding in like panic room. Uh, and I, I guess to some extent fight club. Um, that was Fincher, right? I'm not misremembering who. No, yeah, that's, okay, okay. wait, yeah, yeah, that's Fincher because um, Fincher also did Alien Three and Zodiac, right? I never saw Zodiac. He, he Zodiac. I was watching like no, my wife was watching Zodiac, and I was just like dicking around in the internet, and maybe like halfway through the movie, like I was just like I just realized like oh my god, this movie's actually really good. So I've seen the second half of it, and it's really good. It's a really good second half. Um, so yeah, I definitely say it's it's worth watching. Um, yeah, I've heard good reference, but it just you know it's one of uh, a thousand films I still haven't gotten around to. But yeah, yeah, I could see how this movie is 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 Finchery e. Um, it also reminded me a lot of. Uh, I mean, there's there's a lot of uh, what do you call it? like sort of abstract CGI in this, or just yeah. like CGI that doesn't attempt to be like, okay, this is exactly what's happening right now. It's you know, there's you know motifs and like symbolism with with certain things, and I think that's a really good thing to do if you're not a hundred percent confident in your CGI. Well, yeah, it worked really well, and yeah, I would say there's almost sort of like an impressionistic feel to a lot of the CGI in it because um, some of it's obviously going for sort of like photo real or hyper real, yeah. but you know, it would be impossible to actually shoot this uh but some of it yeah like the the blood stuff the some of the just sort of flashy bits of weirdness in the editing um yeah a lot of it really works well to just sort of say this is a cool looking thing this is just we're getting a feeling down on 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 paper so to speak using cgi rather than trying to convince you that you're actually literally looking at someone's like blood vessels say yeah um and um yeah, and and they also used you know they they pretty extensively used practical effects in this too, which was nice to see. Yeah, they didn't just you know they they weren't. I mean, like they this is like sort of was sort of like a pull out all the stops movie for like the Russian uh, film industry. Like they were going to make something like fucking huge, and this was it. Um, so yeah, I think they they made a lot of really good choices considering like the many many constraints they must have had. Yeah. Yeah, no, it's 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 a very fun movie. It's a very it's a fun movie to look at. Like you know, you know, it's it's not the most expensive looking movie I've ever seen, but everything they do works. Like you know, the, I I have I have very small collection of gripes about the film, and it's all like little nitpick stuff. Uh, but basically, they just like did a bunch of stuff, and they did it in a way that was fun and super engaging. And I was, I I, I really realized I was excited to sit down and watch this again. Like every once in a while, we've done a film where it's something I've seen before, and I think it's like intellectually interesting, and I'm looking forward to talking with you about it. But I'm like, uh, I'm not sure how much I really care about actually sitting through this movie tonight and, you know, taking notes for a couple of right. hours. But this one, I was like, you know, the, the main thing is like, I didn't take enough notes compared to what I usually do. Cause I was just like, no, nah, I just yeah, want to watch have, the movie. I just want to watch this thing. I have half a page of notes and I stopped maybe like halfway through the movie and I was just like, I'm just going to watch this. Yeah. And this may turn out to be a shorter podcast as a result yeah. if we just don't have as much to dig into, but yeah. uh, I'm okay with that. I have to say that I'm like, like, well, I, I'm super glad that, um, the subtitles in this movie are uh, very, very accurate to the script. Like, 
I, I was sort of part of me was you know I, I've heard that it's a really good adaptation and that they really worked hard in the translation with like all sorts of cool stuff in the subtitles and, and they did that's you know something I don't think I've ever seen before actually um, outside of you know like a joke in a cartoon or something but um, yeah I was I was very happy to see that the subtitles matched the dialogue almost exactly nice. Yeah, there was maybe like one or two places where they, they it wasn't like just a one to one translation of what was being said on screen. I think that might have been just because of the, you know, like the Russian is gendered, and you know, if you refer to some abstract thing with a certain gender in the context, you'd know what it means. But if you translate it to English, you actually have to say the thing. Yeah, because we don't actually yeah have that. Yeah, so there was there was, a, there was a couple of yeah exactly there was a couple of things like that. But otherwise, like because I was kind of afraid it would be sort of a you know let the let the right one in thing where there's two translations of it and one completely butchers the movie oh, and I was just like are we about to like discuss two different movies because I could not um, read the subtitles and and listen to the dialogue at the same time yeah or like I, I listened I only checked the subtitles if they were doing something cool or if I, I wasn't sure what they said in the dialogue because I'm not I mean I can I can listen to it mostly fine but if it's like something's quiet or somebody has like a thick accent or they use like a turn of phrase that I don't know um, you know, then, uh, then I'm, I'm kind of lost. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, it, I'm really glad that, you know, the translation to this, if anybody was concerned is very faithful in at least the content, if not the tone. Have we done let the right one in? No. Oh, maybe we should do that sometime. I really enjoyed that yeah. as well. Um, and when I, when I saw that, I, I, I watched it with, uh, I don't know if they, I, I don't know if they did a dub or not, but, uh, I definitely watched it with subtitles, but I don't know which ones. And I remember that being a thing where there were the very two, two very different, uh, translations in the subtitles, depending on which release you watched. Uh, but I wanted to say when I, when I watched this the first time years ago, I, I, I watched it with subtitles, um, and I'm certain that I watched with subtitles because I feel like I had a better idea what was going on the first time I watched a movie than when I watched it last night, even though There's, I had seen it. You um, can't turn – so uh, at least on Netflix, you, there's no dub, and you can't manually turn on subtitles. Oh, man, that sucks. Or turn off. So um, it's I've, only yeah. the subtitles that come with the movie. So, I mean, it's not that bad because, again, they're, they're accurate. But I'm, I'm, I don't think a dubbed version of this movie exists. Uh, Nightwatch? I yeah. assure you it does because that's what oh, I watched really? last night. Uh, Wait, oh, you watched the dubbed version? Yes. Uh, oh, not via Netflix, uh, via other means, and uh, that's always a little bit of a crapshoot, uh, <laughs> as 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 you well know too. Yep. Um, and yeah, it was really weird actually rewatching it as dubbed because uh, like they didn't do a terrible job as far as I could tell. Mm-hmm. The story was still there as far as I remember it, but um, but I feel like the. The, the the feel of it was a little bit different. And I think part of it was like, you know, you've got all these people doing uh, English language dubbing in varyingly Russian accents. Um, oh, God. And sometimes there's like little tonal mismatches, I think, that, you know, don't feel like they worked as well. Uh, and and there, there's a couple lengthy scenes where Anton is uh, in bad shape and talking anyway, and the voice oh, yeah. actor doing the dubbing really got into it. So it's like, oh, I feel very badly. You know, oh, wait, like, is this the one where he's like slowly walking away from Gesser yes, like after yes. the surgery? Yes, oh, yeah, no, no. In the, in the actual thing, the dude is hamming that the fuck up. Uh, so I, I think the actor was, the voice actor was Being doing an accurate to rendition yeah. of his like incredibly like pained uh dialogue yeah that that scene was i i can 
only assume that scene was actually supposed to be like quasi comical because there's there's no way it can't be. Well, yeah, and there's a lot of the stuff in the film. Yeah. Well, and the, the the tricky thing is when he's when he's grunting very heavily and really garbling his words and basically barely choking them out. Uh, and you also can't read his lips for cues. <laughs> it just gets that much harder to like uh, sort out what is being said. So, uh, yeah, no, I, I kind of wish I'd watched it with uh, subtitles because I feel like I enjoyed it a little bit more the first time when I felt like I wasn't trying to decode and ignore lip mismatches on some of the stuff. But uh, but all in all, it was still it's still very watchable. It was still right. you know the the story was basically there and and uh, the dubbing was you know good as far as you know first impressions go. Um, yeah, and there's not a lot of like particularly difficult or like philosophical dialogue in this for them to just like seriously fuck up. Yeah, um, yeah, it's it's you know yeah. it's, a, it's a mix of pretty functional dialogue and you know exposition and whatnot. So uh, I, I I suspect that to the extent that you know there's probably translation difficulties already in 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 jokes and wordplay from Russian to English uh, that may not have even come through as well when you add on also the difficulty of trying to do a, a, a dub. Yeah. That's why, I mean, like, I for a very long time, I, I just avoided watching dubbed movies at all just because of that. And then I realized that at least half of the movies that I watch that are subtitled are just, like, kung fu movies. I'm just like, I'm not sure how accurate of a translation I need for these. Yep. Um, <laughs> but, yeah, this, um, yeah, I mean, the the, the like... Uh, the the other thing is, let me uh, tell everybody about the movie they didn't see because they don't speak Russian. Like in in Russian, you get like based on your word choice, your tone can really very very much vary in a way that you can't really do it in English and still sound natural. Like it, it's it's just it's not really like code switching exactly, but it's just like the words you use like have like a certain feel of familiarity and or politeness to sure. the person you're speaking with, and so the way you come off can be very very different. So like the um, the what do you call it the uh, the witch uh, that that he, that he goes to see like in the flashback or oh right right yeah yeah, uh, yeah like the, like the way that she speaks to him is very sort of um, very very familiar and like very grandmotherly and um it's it's just got a tone to it now i don't know how did that how did she come across in in uh in in english was she like you know like a down to business sort of thing uh, she was she, she like, was sort of like uh a little bit sassy a little bit familiar a little bit sort of matronly um you know it, 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 she, she came off a little bit as like a hustler honestly like she was she clearly knew she was up to something and she was going to make it happen is sort of how I read so that may be a little bit of a difference there where he seemed almost like just sort of like vaguely bemused by the whole thing in in uh, the the dub uh, so yeah I think that might have actually read a little bit different without that context um, I mean the basic idea was still there and you know as much as I think was just there on the, on the screen and the fact that they were setting up something going weird and bad uh, that, that that scene actually reminded me too of like we've got an uh, an odd older lady service person brokering miscarriage oh, yeah. related merchandise while cooking in their wacky little apartment. So basically, this is a <laughs> dumplings again uh, that just veered way off course. Uh, Hers didn't work, or right. you know that's just you know what eternal youth in the Soviet Union looks like. Yep, is. Uh, <laughs> Very old lady. <laughs> <laughs> she doesn't look a day over forty. Um, I also I, I, I loved like the the haircut and outfit he had, which was just 
he I, I, I'm trying to like the, I mean they dressed him up as uh, what is his name the kid from Spider-Man Tobey Maguire he was it was I, I think he was like doing a Tobey Maguire thing with just like his mannerisms and the way he was dressed and it was it was very strange to see like especially like the change into later which yeah. also is something I love where this is something I haven't seen a lot in American movies where you have like you know the change of like the regular old person into uh you know like somebody who is you know incredibly powered and like you know the 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 like like you know it's sort of like a superhero or like a matrix agent type not agent but you know the actual the good guys in the matrix yeah uh, where they go from like every man to the superhuman, and this one he goes from just like sort of every man to like a disheveled drunk, yep, uh, who also happens to you know fight evil, but is not very good at it. Yeah, which the, was yeah, the guy through the whole movie. It, it's a nice thing. It, it really does a good job of sort of subverting the sort of expectation of like this is the revelatory story of how you became you know like if not the one then something like yeah it's like this is this is your origin story and it's more like hey remember back when you were young and stupid and fucked something up well now you've got secret powers and you're a miserable fucking train wreck you know yeah it's it's a yeah it's a, it's a really nice sort of step away from sort of like just the the laudatory hero epic sort of feel so i'm i'm, I'm glad the story sort of goes in that direction because it makes him a much more interesting character yeah than it would have been if he was just literally a neo uh, clone having some big fight against evil that was... I mean, yeah, and, I, I like The uh, Matrix. The Matrix is a fun movie, but I'm glad this didn't try to be literally The Matrix. Right, yeah. And I mean, it's sort of like that there's aspects in this that were missing from, like, I, Frankenstein, where it's just like, you know, he fights evil and, you know, has no friends and lives by himself. And it's just like, what would that actually look like? Oh, it would look like, you know, this guy waking up in the middle of the day, like, slugging vodka and then bothering his teenage neighbor for blood. Yep. Um... <laughs> Oh, hey, let's 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 do a quick quick plot oh, yeah. recap again. We'll, sure. we'll we'll try and keep doing these just in terms of what happened. If you haven't seen this, but really go see this movie. It's, it's so great. See this. Yeah, it's, it's and on see the, see the, Yeah, see the uh, sequence. Yeah, I didn't realize it was actually streaming on Netflix. Right, I would have just watched it there, but uh, I think I looked it up wrong. I think I searched for Nightwatch without a space when yeah, I was originally yeah. looking and was getting the wrong films. Uh, but yeah, no, seriously, see this. See the sequel, Daywatch, as well. They're really two movies that are two halves of the same. Story, so it's really worth seeing them both. Yeah, I think from the original, there was like three intertwined plot lines in the original novel, and Nightwatch and Daywatch are based on two of those plot lines, which I think is confusing because the second book is also called Daywatch. Yeah. Um, and in like one of the later books, uh, like the fourth or fifth book, somebody has a vision of the universe from the movie, <laughs> which I think is pretty cool. That's great. Okay, so in this film, this is a film about a guy named uh, Anton. Uh, who is just uh, apparently just some guy who is out of a relationship with his girlfriend and he wants her back uh, and he goes and sees a lady, uh, an old lady who is like a apartment-dwelling uh, dark magic <laughs> practitioner uh, slash babushka um, who uh, puts together a spell to cause his girlfriend to no longer want to be with her uh, new boyfriend and also to give her a miscarriage uh, so that the baby doesn't separate her from Anton or whatever. Yeah. Uh, and um, like during that scene, she like makes it super, super repeatedly clear. That's like, you, we, uh, we can do this. She's like, she says, you know, like I can do this as easily as I clap my hands, which becomes a thing later in that scene. Um, but like, she really makes it very clear that this is going to be like a huge sin or like a huge black mark on his soul. If he does this and he's like, um, well, okay, 
you know? Yeah, yeah. He, he, he like, agrees to it anyway. It's, 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 he's like, it's, he's, seriously, he's yeah. George from, like, the Russian version of Seinfeld is basically yeah. who this guy is at this point. Right. Like, it's sort of the opposite of the, um, you know, like, the genie that, like, takes your wish too literally. Like, this is a person that very, very thoroughly warns you about what you're about to do. Some disclaimered shit, yeah. which, be, which is important because it's established in the, the opening prologue scene mm-hmm. has a big voiceover in the film yeah. where they establish that there's forces in the world that are more than human. They're they're called the others and they're basically super powered supernatural humans of various sorts. And there's the light others and then there's the dark others and there's the light general and the dark general and there's an eternal clash there. And this obviously sounds like pretty cookie cutter, like, you know, epic struggle of evil, but the opening scene is really pretty cool looking. Yeah. And one thing that they make clear and that I like is that there is no difference between like the light others and the dark others besides like the choice that they make when they discover that they are superhuman. Yeah. Um, which which was good. It's not like you know you'd see you're either born a creature of light or a creature of dark, and then it's like no, it's there's like a very very big like personal dimension to why there's war exists, and it's because you know people want different things. Yeah. Uh, so so you have this setup of this big conflict, and then you have mm-hmm. this clueless Anton guy going and uh, trying to get a love spell basically on his ex-girlfriend which turns into also a miscarriage spell which then gets canceled at the last minute because some supernatural ghostbusters bust into uh the room on a uh supernatural dimension uh (laughs) this movie's great just see this movie it makes this this all gets explained by implication faster in the actual film than i'm (laughs) explaining it uh in my quick recap here but this sets a tone for a whole bunch of the rest of the plot which is these people come in they interrupt the miscarriage spell uh, by thrusting a hot pan in between the hands of the witch who is trying to clap them. Yeah. Uh, yeah, they, like, they both get her, like, two of them get her on each side, like, get her in an arm bar, and they're struggling, which is great, because apparently, like, this, you know, witch is superhumanly powerful. Yeah, it's like taking, like, four yeah. adults to try and stop her and failing to stop her from just clapping yeah. her hands. Uh, yeah. So th- so this set- – and it's set up that he, Anton, sees this happening, which is weird because at first he doesn't – she's just weirdly freaking out and we don't know why as a viewer. And it's because these people are others and they're, they're traveling through uh, – I don't know if they were literally in the gloom or not. Uh, but yeah, anyway, I could not make sense of that and I tried reading the Wik- Russian Wikipedia article and I'm not entirely yeah. sure the gloom is. Yeah, it might have just been an inconsistency. But in any case, the, the idea is these people are supernatural. They can operate sort of on the sly so people can't see them. But Anton, clueless, dumb Anton with his bad sweater and his terrible haircut sees this <laughs> and uh, and he's like, what's going on? And and that is what leads us to jump 12 years forward to when he is now a schlubby, uh, really fucking broken down looking uh, agent in the Army of Light. He's a member of the Night Watch. The Night Watch keeps an eye on the Dark Others. The Day Watch keeps an eye on the Light Others while wearing Adidas tracksuits, which is great. Uh, and, yeah. uh, and everybody wears sunglasses all everybody, the time. Always, always. And, and <laughs> Anton looks basically like a really run-down Bono cosplayer for most of the film <laughs> is, is kind of how it came to me with his sunglasses. Uh, so, so, so everything was set in motion in that early stuff, and then the rest of the film plays out with him. Uh, one plot is there's a, a woman who is cursed and there's an ancient prophecy about a human being cursed leading to a horrible apocalyptic vortex uh, that's a huge problem. So they're trying to figure out what's going on here with her, figure out who cursed her so they can undo the curse. Uh, and the the long arc of that ends up near the end of the film. Anton confronts her 
and then figures out that she cursed herself. And the thing is, she's not just some human. She's an other who apparently has some cursy abilities. So she uncurses herself basically inadvertently. And then the world ending vortex, vortex is just completely taken care of. Everything's going to be okay there. And then we'll get note to the, about the vortex. Yeah. Uh, the word that they were using for vortex uh, that was made of crows is also could mean little crow. Huh. Yep. It was a visual pun of some sort. Oh, you Russians. So you got that plot, and then you've got uh, Anton's son, who exists because the miscarriage got canceled by the frying pan, uh, has grown up uh, with his mom, Anton's ex-girlfriend. Anton has no connection to any of this because they never got back together, presumably. Uh, doesn't know he has a son. Doesn't know his ex-girlfriend. Just figure it out super quick, though. You'd think this would be like the kind of thing that they would extend until the end of the movie, and they really don't. Well, I mean, okay, he, he finds out that she has a son sooner but he doesn't really find out that it's his because one of the thing is the old lady lied to him in the right, apartment. Yeah. She she tells him that uh, you know his his ex girlfriend who he wants to get back together with is pregnant and it's not his and it turns out that it actually is his and that was actually part of some scheming uh, larger cabalish plan. Uh, by the dark others, I guess. Yeah. Uh, so, like later, like it's 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 cleanly, I think, third act when he actually connects that it is in fact his son. But it might be just a, around the start of the third act in terms of. Yeah. Okay. I mean, yeah, that that could be it. And also, I think he finds that photo of like his ex girlfriend and the kid who is her kid that they are watching. Yeah. Um, that I think that happens. That's sooner. Yeah. Yeah. Um, anyway, so yes, the, there's this thing where there's a son, and then there was all this prophetic stuff at the beginning of the film about how like you know someone will be born, another will be born who is so powerful that it'll, you know, which choice he makes, dark or light, will, you know, change the whole history of everything and, and basically bring around the end of this eternal struggle between dark and light and one side will become victorious. Uh, and it becomes sort of clear by the end of the film that maybe we're talking about the sun then, although he hasn't done anything particularly yeah. it, it, supernatural. It sort of becomes clear at the end that the dark general had been angling this whole time to get the sun to uh, choose to be a dark other rather than a light other. Um, and that's where the movie ends. And that's why it sort of like <laughs> drops off a cliff of, ah, maybe there's a sequel because uh, uh, the rest of the story is all in, <laughs> in the other film. Uh, so that's that. I mean, that's 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 the whole basic structure of it. And, you know, it's yeah. not necessarily an overly complicated plot. You know, it's really kind of like a episode of some supernatural minded TV show in terms of I think amount of like uh, plot mechanics involved and the rest is just a bunch of character and backstory and visual stuff that's a lot of fun and adds a bunch yeah. of depth yeah uh, they, um, they, they yeah they did not overcomplicate it which was like something I was afraid of and because they so vaguely define the others but then they just you know sort of left it vague which was which was good um, I, I was afraid of them like overcomplicating like the, the whole um the whole mythos of it, like they did in just, uh, I mean, the previous movie of this type I saw, which was I Frankenstein. <laughs> yeah, it's it's amazing to me, actually, setting them side by side, doing two different takes on sort of like, you know, uh, contemporary, modern, supernatural yeah. fantasy stuff. How much time I Frankenstein spent on stuff that added nothing while accomplishing so much less in terms of yeah. actual interesting character engagement, uh, when I feel like it had a much easier road to hoe, because it's like, it's literally Frankenstein 200 years later. Let's run with this. You know, was, yep. So this movie sort of starts from scratch and does this wonderful, wonderful job with it. Uh, the guy who played Gesser, I think he's just 
Um, I mean, looking at his credits, he's a super accomplished like actor and, and director uh, in Russian cinema. He really reminded me of someone, and I couldn't figure out who. And I think maybe Sean Pertwee. Uh, uh, let me look up a uh, He reminded me of Michael Chiklis. I got like a Michael Chiklis vibe from him. Um, I could see that, yeah. Maybe, maybe a mix of the two, yeah. Sean Pertwee from, uh, what do you call it? Uh, he's on Gotham now as uh, as Alfred. Was wasn't he in uh, one of like was, the particularly shitty movies yes, we watched? Yes, he was. He was in. I I, I want to say he was in one of the later Prophecy films. Or possibly yeah, that sounds about right. Um, and I've seen him in other things, and and and, and I like him. He's good. But uh, yeah, Prophecy Uprising. Yeah, uh, and and a son of a Doctor Who. So that's the important thing. He yeah. is in fact a Time Lord. So the fact that the guy in this movie is apparently some Russian guy doesn't mean it's not yeah. actually also Sean Pertwee. Um, that's true. <laughs> uh, it could be very well be Sean Pertwee. Um, I uh, what do you call it? Just going back to like that first scene. There's. Um, there's a point like at which when like Anton is like starting to see them, what's happening is that it's almost like a Voight Kampf test sort of thing where they just like have her at a table and they're interviewing her because they're going to arrest her for uh, for like misusing her her abilities or are uh, using them to harm people. Yeah, using and then, licensed dark magic essentially. Yeah, and that was like the, the conversation itself is pretty funny because they're like, "What do you do?" She's like, "I'm a gardener." Like, "Do you have a license?" She's like, "I'm fully licensed." Then the reply is, "Who licenses gardeners?" Um, and then yeah so like the i mean like that sort of makes a little clear like the whole disclaimer thing where she was like anything she was doing was totally of at least you know one person's complete consent and the other thing is that it was it's just um there's just something very kind of like Soviet-y feeling about the idea that like this like great battle between light and dark like boils down to like this bureaucratic procedure where they have to take notes on her yeah. and uh, check her license. Yeah, and I, I I'm interested in checking out the books partly because I imagine the books probably have more space to uh, run with some of that because like I, yeah. I I'm glad the film didn't get too bogged down in it because there was just enough to really give that sense of. There is this weird bureaucratic bullshit angle to this eternal struggle without making it literally a procedural about that, which you know could be fun in its own right, but it was not what this movie was trying to be. Uh, but I would like to – it'd be fun to get more detail on sort of like the imagined bureaucracy of, of this struggle. Yeah. Uh, in, and in I mean everybody context. works like the, the light side has turned into like the city light company. <laughs> Who actually? I mean, as far as I can tell, they are actually also the light company. Yeah, they're like they they appear to literally be electricians, aside from also being embroiled as agents in a endless struggle between good and evil. Yeah, yeah. I, th- I, I mean, as far as I can tell, at least some of them also have to keep running the electricity. Yeah, uh, which was pretty good. And like you know, they have like a whole team there, and you know, they're supposed to. It, it's you know another one of those things where it's like you know if you're showing like the crack government agents, they'd be like you know wearing super sharp suits and. You know, like they'd have a base, and these guys, like, no, they they are dressed like you know electricians or you know like the boiler repair guys in uh, what do you call it Brazil, yeah, or the Ghostbusters, where it's yeah. just like you know these very very industrial looking, apparently one size for everybody jumpsuits. Yeah, I, I thought of both of those films actually yeah. thinking about this, and Ghostbusters in particular. There, there's mm-hmm. definitely a feeling that like whatever else was going on in this movie, some people involved really liked Ghostbusters and wanted to uh, yeah. get a sense of that. Because there's this, like, you know, Echo 1 is replaced by a utility truck, 
but it's still like you know these people in jumpsuits running around dealing with crazy supernatural stuff and and being jokey repartee yeah. uh, crew. Um, yeah, that, that was that's there's so, there's so many different things like like what what you said earlier about like this being sort of the Russian film industry throwing like everything at something. Uh, sort of has a feeling because there are all these fun little things and it may make it, you know, if you were looking for a super serious meditation on some notional uh, eternal conflict, this might be a little bit disappointing because it is goofy at times. It really is yep. a funny movie when it's not busy being uh, more actiony or supernaturally or, or occasionally like legitimately uh, creepy. Yeah, I think this did for me what um, Ravenous couldn't, where they got, like, two very distinct tones into the movie without... And, you know, like, they're apparent when, you know, it's it's one tone or the other, but they're not, like, clashing so hard as to take me completely out of it. Like, yeah. it, it fit. Like, the humor fit in with, like, the stuff that, you know, was, you know, very much serious and... Um, you know, like issues of, you know, like your kid and, and, and stuff like that. So, yeah, you, you had a sense yeah. that they were extremely aware of that blurring of that line between uh, comedic and uh, and more serious or, or horror content uh, compared to Ravenous, where it was like I never like we like we talked about at the time. I never really quite got to the point of trusting that the filmmakers knew how weird the thing felt. Yeah. Uh, although speaking, of which I want to uh, just briefly unravel this. I got email from someone uh, after the My Bloody Valentine 3D episode last fortnight saying, "Seriously, you guys couldn't do a half an hour on Ravenous, but you talked about this fucker for two hours." <laughs> and I was like, "You know what? If I had it to do again, if I could choose between one or the other, I would make those two hours of conversation about Ravenous instead of watching My Bloody Valentine 3D." So uh, yeah, yeah, that, I agree <laughs> with that very, very much. We're just, we're just murdering that new tradition in its crib next Valentine's Day. We're gonna. <laughs> You know, watch a different film, uh, even if they somehow manage to get shooting our own version of it. (laughs) Oh, that'd be so great! We'll just uh, sweet it up. Yes. Yeah. No. Just. Just. I. I, I liked this movie. I, I liked it. I loved all the all, so many little things. Like this is a movie where if I had taken more notes, they would have a lot of them been of the oh and did you see the thing where because like that fucking spider doll in that apartment scene, the little doll yeah, yeah, across the spider legs. Yeah, just for no for no reason. It's it, it's you know it's the witch's familiar, and she calls to it like as they're attacking her, and it's you know like there had been like a couple of like uh, like cuts to the doll like during the establishing shots but there's also cuts to all sorts of weird shit in her apartment yeah um and you don't make anything of it and then like the fucking thing sprouts legs yeah uh, and not, it's not very effective but it I, like the it's it's attempts at you know keeping the guys off her wasn't yeah. very effective but it, it, but it eventually distracts one of them and and, and so that helps but uh, yeah no i liked that it, it was it was very of a piece with a really great sense of setting the weird creepy supernatural tone of uh, whether or not it's the gloom, the gloomier aspects of the film, the supernatural side of the world, because um, that and the flies and the the sense of slowness uh, to and sort of like buried underwater feeling that Anton were subjectively, you know, getting his feeling of what's happening because he's obviously thrown a loop. He's confused. Everything seems like it's molasses. His brain's, you know, hardly working. And then yeah, everything's getting sort of weird and dark. And that spider doll sprouting its legs and the flies going around and, and it, it just really effective. I, I thought it was, I thought it was a really nicely done feel to all the stuff that's not quite right in the film. Like they really made it feel, uh, effective. 
Yeah, it reminded me a lot of, um, like, the, just, like, the sort of shots that are meant to disorient you, like, you know, when the background starts going and where it goes into, like, you know, fast motion and cuts into slow motion and fast motion again. Uh, Just that sort of thing reminded me a lot of um, the, like, camera work uh, in John Dies at the End, where, like, that movie also just, you know, disoriented you in, in a very convincing sort of way. And so does this one, where it's just, like, you know, just quick cuts and... And and they work, which is which yeah. Is the great it's part. a real mix of of different editing uh, techniques and 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 sort of cinematographic tone throughout the movie. But it ends up like just all working pretty well. It feels goofy, but it works. Yeah. Like it doesn't feel disjointed so much as it feels like someone was very intentionally saying, "And now let's let's do a little of this." Uh, yeah, I, I really had forgotten how goofy some of the action yeah. cinematography in it was. Like the truck when they break to not hit that guy when they're rushing. Oh, and then they, they flip and then it. The tr- yeah, the truck just flips end over end. Uh, you know, the things where they would, like, cut to the squealing tires, you know, sort yeah. of squealing in probably double motion before the thing takes <laughs> off. Little fast-forward edits, the flames out the back of the truck. <laughs> the, uh, the uh, what do you call it? He had a, uh, the truck was uh, automatic, and the uh, stick shift was a, a, a rose and, like, a solid ball. And, like, the inside of it is just decorated with all sorts of, like, hangy stuff, um, which I thought was a nice touch. Um, there was, uh, this, you know what could have looked super dumb and yet didn't? Uh, the scene where he, where he, like, the, he's fighting, um, what's his name, Andre the Vampire, who keeps disappearing into the gloom, and there's, right, like, yeah. a broken mirror, and yeah. he's using a, uh, he's using, like, a, a fluorescent tube that is glowing by itself, because it's established at some point in the movie that, like, one of the things that the others are, uh, are prone to, or, or weak to, is different frequencies of light, yeah. Um, so I guess whatever that tube was making was doing the right frequency, and so he's like he's got a a piece of like broken glass like right next to his face, like pressed up against his face, and he's looking into it because you can see things in the gloom in the mirror. Um, and he's swinging around this fluorescent tube like like a sword, and it's very like sort of like a Jason fighting Medusa sort of thing. I think it's I think it's supposed to be like a a uh, what do you call it a a specific reference to that. Yeah, um, no, it, it, it definitely made me think of yeah, yeah, uh, and and so it's shield just, sort of approach, and it's it's great because yeah. it makes that whole scene so like if they had done it without that, where he was just like knew he couldn't see the thing and was sort of swinging around blindly, you know, they would have accomplished more or less the same action, but it would not have had that same tremendous sense of like worried claustrophobia because we're trying to look for what's look who's the vampire coming for him. We're trying to see this Andre guy. We can't see him. And then we have to sort of track the mirror and the background shot on him. Uh, and so it, it's all really dynamic and it, it, it makes it a tense thing to watch and you get sort of really involved in the where the fuck did that vampire go feeling uh, partly because we get both him looking around but that constant tracking of his uh, his face and his sort of emotional engagement with it and the big wide eyes as he's staring into the mirror. Uh, yeah, no, I thought that I thought that was really great. That whole scene uh, really sort of established a lot of things for the film, really. I mean, it, it established sort of the weirdness of dealing with stuff in the gloom. It established the fact that Anton was clearly, this was part of his job, but also he's clearly not exactly a superhero about it. You know, we really get a sense of him as somewhat somewhat hapless, even while he's taking on this crazy sort of situation. Uh, yeah, they, they definitely do like the... Um I mean, I've seen it a lot in film noir, and I've seen it in, like, certain kinds of, like, spy movies and, like, especially Die Hard, where they 
beat the shit out of him through the course of this movie. Yeah. Like at every, basically at every opportunity for him to have like the crap beaten out of him, he is. Yeah, it's, uh, it, it's even sort of established yeah. that like the only reason he doesn't end mm-hmm. up dead is because uh, the general of light uh, guesser. Uh, is pretty good at just like reaching in some side someone's body and performing magical surgery or something like that. Yeah, it's it's, it's psychic surgery. So in, in Russia, uh, stuff like that has a tradition of being much more in culture. Stuff like psychic surgery and psychics, UFOs, just any sort of like that, mis- like non-religious mystic mystic stuff. Yeah. And I, I have, like, no doubt that, like, everybody who was watching him, like, do that psychic surgery thing there knew what it was supposed to be, like, representing. That, like, there, there was this fad at one point um, of psychic surgery where people would just, like, reach into other people and pull out gross things and it would heal them. And then it just turned out to be all, you know, like, sleight of hand and animal guts. Yeah. But it was, like, it, it was an established thing. And it was, it was pretty cool to see, like, it as how it, what it, like, being played as if it's working the way it's supposed to work. Yeah. Um, gosh, yeah. No, that's so, so yeah, I, I really like that. The, the ending of that whole interaction was mm-hmm. sort of surprising. They end up like, you know, he, he shines some headlight light on the vampire that he's fighting with mm-hmm. a shard of mirror. The guy sort of explodes backwards, like his chest explodes, propelling him backwards, and his head just shatters against the sink. And we don't really get any setup for why that would happen, other than obviously somehow the light was bad here. Uh, but then they sort of elaborate that uh, a little bit later in the film when uh, the kid, Anton's son, ends up uh, in the gloom, I guess, which I t- even the second time I didn't totally follow what happened in that No scene. idea. I do uh, not understand what happened there. Like, the kid is... There was, I mean, like, the vampire was around, like, trying to get to the kid, but she couldn't. And then something happened, and they're just like, you know, he's entering the gloom in, like, three, two, one. And I could not figure out why any of that was happening. Yeah, I, I, I don't remember what oh, exactly Oh, wait, hang on. Was that when they had just come in? Yeah, they, they'd just come into the apartment, I think. I th- okay, in that case, what I think happened was that they, they had traveled through the gloom. Uh, into the apartment, and the kid uh, was not supposed to be able to see that. But oh, I think they once didn't know he was an other. That's right. Yeah, right. and then once he saw it, like that somehow ended up drawing him into the gloom with them. Right. And then they, uh, what do you call it? Um, Anton had to distract the gloom by just repeatedly like slicing into his arm and giving it blood. Yeah. Um, because something about mosquitoes as well. I, I, yeah, I yeah. kind of lost track of what was going on, but <laughs> that, that, that whole, that whole sequence was really, really visually interesting though. I mean, that, yeah. that was, that was a case that, that was one of the scenes that like really jumped out of, and you know, I remembered some of that, but it really jumped out of me and watching it. So, so however the, the gloom ends up getting the kid and then the kid sort of falls on the ground cause they're too late to avoid whatever the gloom problem was. And so the kid's getting his ass gloomed up. And what that means is he's sort of like uh, sort of turning to sort of stone and dust and sort of crackly. Like Anton goes to try and give him like uh, CPR and there's sort of a cracking sound when he's pressing on his chest. You know, it's really selling this idea of sort of becoming this weird dead stone material. uh, And then it starts to infect Anton as well. And they're like, oh, shit, what do we do? We're fucked. And, And Anton just pulls out a knife and starts whacking at his forearm with the knife to try and get some blood to come out. And there's this fantastically gross, weird, tense moment of delay where it's almost even worse that the first few times he hits his arm with his knife it looks like the knife is just bouncing off like he doesn't even have 
like flesh there anymore. I, I mean, to me, it looked like he was slicing through and then just taking it out clean and nothing was happening. Well, yeah. It, well, the first couple, it looked to me almost like it was mm-hmm. supposed to be a bounce, but it may have just been mm-hmm. me trying to track that way. But in any case, yeah, he slices an arm in a way that you would expect would immediately mean gush of blood. But there's this like two or three seconds where he's just frantically doing this and cutting the shit out of his arm and there's not even blood coming out. It's like, which for me was a very effective sort of little body horror thing. Yeah. Uh, however much it was intended specifically to be that, I thought that really sold the idea of this terrible sort of like infection of gloom uh, above and beyond that it'll just like be bad for you or kill you. The fact that it's like yeah. something has gone very wrong with just the way, you know, even injuries are supposed to work. Yeah. And it sort of like gave you an idea of his, you know, like while it, it was at that point already established that he's not very good at doing what he does he does know what to do because like you know it goes through and he's not just like oh wait why is there no blood he just like starts chopping into it repeatedly until you know it finally happens and like there's this explosion of blood out of his arm uh which is just you know he's he might not be like very good at his job but he he definitely like tries tries to do it he's read the manual he's he's you know he's making an effort and then, like, the blood explodes, and then, like, there's a zoom-in of, like, a mosquito that you saw earlier, like, drinking some of the blood, and apparently that's distracted it. And then when it goes back, like, he's only got, like, a very small, like, blood, like, he's got, like, a very small laceration, or I think his hand is over it, but there's not a lot of blood at all. It just looked like he made a very small cut. Yeah. Which, and I'm, you know, I just, I, I, I. I can't figure out. Like, I mean, that's yeah, I don't definitely. Know if, I don't know if that's like continuity issues or if the implication I, is that there's a degree of difference even in what's happening in the gloom yeah, versus that's, outside I, of it. I think I think it's that because I, there's just like a lot of shots in this movie that are uh, symbolic in, in in just sort of nature, where it's it's not going to be a representation of exactly what's happening. Um, and I think that might have been one of them, where it's just like what we're seeing is his attempt, or like things happen differently in the gloom, and then when you get back to reality, like he he did not. I mean, because if he would have done that, like repeatedly cut into his arm like that, that would put like his character into like mortal danger. Yeah, he would have bled out real fast. Yeah, so it's so there's I, I think there's a difference between what happens in the gloom and what happens like on the screen and what's actually happening. Yeah, which and the movie's really not afraid to let that kind of thing um, just exist by itself. The you know they 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 nobody like a like eventually like runs up after that scene and is just like oh well it's a good thing that you know like things in the gloom don't happen like they do here and your arm is totally fine. Yeah. <laughs> Um, yeah, the movie the movie definitely just does some things and let just let him lets him hang there, and that would be frustrating if the movie was not otherwise engaging or didn't feel like yeah. it had a lot going on in an intentional way. But yeah, in this case, it's like no, okay, I'm confused, and I'm okay with that. I'm just running yeah, with it's it. it the the whole like gloom like like the gloom infection and them getting rid of it scene really reminded me of watching like Eon Flux, where I don't entirely understand what's happening on the screen but it clearly has its own internal logic and I'm willing to just I, I'm willing to assume that whatever is happening on the screen is happening in in a way that it should be and it's not just crap thrown at a wall yeah um, and so yeah I got that feel a lot in this movie with that scene and with a couple of other scenes where it's just like it the movie let you trust it to not uh, to not be too ridiculously you know like random at times yeah there, yeah, no, there's a there, there's definitely that 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 feeling to it that I think works really well. Um, there was a 
Okay, so one of the weird little things in the the film is uh, one like I think the least effective uh, visual detail, even though I know they were going somewhere story wise with this, was <laughs> Zebulon's video game. He's he's yeah. we, we, Zebulon, the dark general uh, dude, uh, who like everybody else is just some dude in modern day Moscow. Uh, yeah, and he's um, film. he is dressed like like a mobster slash club guy but he he's he's dressed like somebody maybe at least 30 years younger than he actually is because i mean the dude's like in his late 50s and he's like he's dressing like a teenager would be yeah and um it just there's it i just i'm trying to figure out like how to convey this like cross-culturally where the the emphasis of that wouldn't really be the same thing that it would be in an american movie if you like see you know a like an old guy dressed too hip in this one it's just something different that it just like it it it's more of um like an eccentric thing but also something you can do if you can pull it off like a celebrity like a like an old Russian like celebrity singing man would be dressed for some reason like in a completely improbable outfit and it'd be okay because he's a performer and it's like it, it, it's sort of like that with with the way that he's dressed because otherwise it's very hard to sort of explain why he's wearing was, was he wearing like a fishnet belly shirt at some point <laughs> he might have been something and something like in uh, that vicinity yeah. at least yeah yeah it was yeah so um oh yeah but yeah the video game the video the, game and yeah it, it's some sort of like you know playstation 2 era fighting game like you know people like fighting with martial arts or swords except for it's clearly like a weird figurative sort of thing that doesn't look like a fighting game in practice i mean there's one guy who is the zebulon avatar in the game pulling out a sword and uh and we see him like lose a fight at one point early in the film, and this is all through like little snippets that we sort of get cut in. Yeah, with some like of the every going time on. somebody has to talk to Zavulon, who is like the head of the the dark people, you know, it cuts to him and like you know he's like he lights a cigarette and like as he's talking to them, he's playing this video game, which he's playing either with a like PlayStation Two type yeah, controller or maybe with like. A, a remote like a Wii game at one point is sort of like implied at one point, but I don't know if it was supposed to him actually trying to play the game with that or if he was just miming along with his character raising a sword over the back of his head. Yeah, because uh, it's, it's implied that the game is a simulation of like events as they are unfolding, yeah. um, and you know he's doing the things to change them, and that you know that's what his control is doing, and it's not like I, I guess. It, it's not really like an actual fighting game where, you know, you control the exact thing that happens on the screen. Like, it's sort of a pre-programmed thing. And that, because I thought the same thing. I was like, is, did this thing pre- predict the Wii? But I, I thought, I think that was just a TV controller and he was just like miming along with the yeah, action on the screen. While he's talking on the phone. Yeah, no, it, yeah. it's interesting. Like, like I, I thought the video game stuff was clunky uh, as much as anything because it was kind of out of nowhere. And like, I, I having rewatch the film again i feel like i see where he's going with those scenes and you see how they track against the developments in the plot uh and sort of work as a stand-in for maybe him working through his ideas of how to manage this complicated gambit uh but nonetheless the video game stuff itself just looked like shit and felt really weird and corny and out of nowhere uh it would have been nice to see some 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 way to at least make it more clear what the intention was there because if it is supposed to be some sort of like you know ludomancy where you use a metaphorical video game to you know sort through like a tarot reading I, I can totally get behind that idea you know it's silly but you know a lot of stuff is silly in the film and works really well yeah. uh, I just didn't feel like it was clear what was going on there and it feels a little bit like 
it was 2004 and someone thought video games should be involved more than that they had a really great use for that in the film. Well, I, I think that at least in Russia, the audience that would be watching this would also be like probably the primary audience for video games, period. Yeah. Uh, where, I mean, you know, I guess just basically young men. Uh, you know, just it, it, that's sort of like the audience this movie is pitching at. And that's sort of also the audience, very much the audience video game there, there and here. I think if they were showing something like a like a Legends of the Three Kingdoms game or like some sort of strategy game where he was doing something that wasn't just two people fighting, I think it would have been a much more effective but a lot more visually boring. Yeah, which is fair. And, and you know, the idea that like... <laughs> the whole thing collapses together. Oh, that's who those characters were when it's, you know, they're not very good likenesses in the video yeah. game. And that's right too. Uh, yeah. Until like two or three goes into it. I did not, I, I did not figure that like, I mean, they show that one of the characters is named Zavulon, uh, but I did not figure that this, what, what this was supposed to be. And I don't know if I was supposed to, I feel like if they could have done better with the graphics and that they would have, and then it would have been more obvious. Maybe. Yeah. Like I don't yeah. know if it's supposed to be a head fake or not, but, uh, yeah. but yeah, that, that, that felt a little bit clunky to me, that specific bit. Um, I did like that it set up Zevilon pulling out his sword in that last oh. uh, big scene uh, yes. as mirroring Spine something that sword. showed in there. Yeah, he, he reaches into his neck and grabs the hilt of a sword, it turns out, that he pulls out that's basically his spine. But, you know, he's still okay because, hey, others and dark generals and whatnot, yeah. you can pull crazy shit off. But it, it was just it, – it was definitely like – the fucking coolest thing a 12 year old could have come up with. Yeah. Uh, and it, it, it says something for the movie that as goofy as that sounds, it still was like, oh, okay, I can buy this as an escalation rather than a really are you, you how would you even stand up if you don't have a spine? Which I realized Which is a like different film. I would be saying that not complained about during I Frankenstein, like how could he hold his sword behind his back like that? Yeah. His head would knock against it. And this movie is just like, no, nah, it's cool. It's, well, everything's it, cool. Cause that was amazing. Well, And I think, I think what makes it work is it's not a movie that tries to be at all about sword fighting. I mean, there's, there's several scenes where there's clashing and stuff. And it's mostly flashback to like medieval Midi- era stuff, which is cool. Uh, it was the very definition of a melee. Yeah, it's, yeah. It's like it's very messy, just big. like all practical effects, like lots of fast cutting battle, which ended up looking pretty cool. Although, like you, you knew how much money they spent on it, but you knew they used it well. Yeah, but but for all that, it's not a movie about you know fighting. Combat, it's yeah. not a movie about sword fighting. It's you, you see him pull out the sword, and you aren't like, oh boy, now we get the big fucking lightsaber duel. It's just like, oh okay, well shit's taking a different direction here. So yeah, it doesn't it doesn't feel it doesn't feel dumb that that's not like physically reasonable or yeah. you know good combat discipline or whatever the fuck because like you're not invested in that part of it. You're like, what's he gonna do now? You know, and the whole the whole last like five minutes of the movie is totally this big Xanatos gambit apparently coming to fruition. As it turns out, you know he's just sort of like everything fell into place correctly now. Yeah, for Zavulon and the kid had turned to the dark side, um, which I thought was great because like. You know, you have this big climactic battle, and the way it ends is not like, you know, with like somebody's glorious death or or winning. It's just like, you know, he just sort of falls in the kid with like holding a, like a blade or something. And the kid's like, you tried to kill me. And then he's just like, no, no, I didn't. He's like, huh. and then, you know, uh, what do you call it? Uh, Zavulon gets like the, uh, the pop star uh, day watch person to read like the report that they took on the witch yeah. that, that uh, the night watch took on the witch based on the fact that he wanted to like have the kid killed and they convinced the, you know, the kid becomes convinced that he, you know, 
they, he tried to have him killed, and you know that the day wa- the night watch isn't isn't any better than the day watch, and in fact they're worse because they're liars. Yeah. Um. And and yeah, and you know it, and then just you know he punches Zavulon in the face, and Zavulon's like, all right, come on, and then he just he tries to beat the crap out of him. You see him just like punch him over and over and over again in the face, clearly doing nothing, and just like seeing Zavulon just like not be like incredibly prideful at that moment was was just really great idea of like the character like the the character of that villain is not like this you know like haha yeah uh, it's not some monologuing like, scenery chewing arch villain yeah like he he does the thing he needs to do and he's got like he doesn't have like much of an ego about what's happening and he's you know like the, there's a scene where you know they're uh every they're trying to stop the vortex and you know like the vortex it's not it's not a something that was caused by like the 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 light side or the dark side it's just a spontaneous event that you know that the dark side would have no reason to let continue either so zavulon and gesser are meeting in the uh the 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 house that they took over from the people that they froze who are watching television, which I thought was a delightful touch. Which where, the one, you know, the they, one house in the city that still has power apparently at this point too. I'm yeah. not sure how that worked, but I, 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 I yeah, I, I wonder if it's just, well, I mean, they are the electric company. Yeah, they probably they just have mobile generate their, Yeah. They, they just ambiently generate, you know, maybe their yeah, power. But it, it, it sort of reminded me of dark city a bit where, I mean, they were just like, they're, they show up, they, they move to like this village outside of where, um, Outside of Moscow, where uh, uh, Sveta's um, mother lives, and it's supposed to be like some you know like small village, and they they set up base in this house, and um, I think was it Anton that shows up, and there's like these people frozen there watching TV, and he's just like, who are these? And like the nerdy computers guy is just like, oh, they're the owners. Shouldn't have been watching television while eating. Um, which I cannot for the life of me figure out what that alludes to, but I assume it's some sort of dumbass Russian like health thing. Yeah. That the culture is absolutely full of. I told you about that time when um my grandmother just calls me all of a sudden, like in the middle of the day, and she's just like, Are you are you are you outside? I'm just like, Yeah, I'm just walking somewhere. She's like, All right, well don't spend too much time outside today. There's a giant magnetic pulse coming for the earth, and I'm just like <laughs> Really? Okay, thanks, Grandma. Because, I mean, like, as a kid, my grandma would be, like, she she bought a circular magnet to put water through because magnet is good for water and for purifying it. It's ever... And that's not, like, her eccentricity sort of thing. That's a general, like, thing people believe. Um, And then a few days later, there was, like, a Metafilter post about, like, you know, big magnetic storm coming for the Earth. I'm just like, oh, this was like an actual <laughs> thing that was happening. Um, it wasn't which, just grandma. Yeah, exactly. Um, I forgot how I just got on that. But, yeah. And that's why this movie is like that. I, I really enjoyed uh, just just a, a couple of random other little things. The the fact that the Dracula episode of Buffy was on TV yeah. in the kids' apartment was nice. Yeah. Uh, I liked I liked the the sausage boiling over versus power plant explosion parallelism. I mean, it was, it was so goofy and so telegraphed, and maybe it was a little bit more cleverly stated or something in the original Russian. In in English, it worked just fine, but it was like oh, uh, and you, by the, that point in the film, you kind of knew that the whole thing was this lady is in some way cursed and causing terrible things to happen. So that when she volunteers to call the guy and then you see that he's sitting in some power plant, it's like, oh, fuck, this yep. is going to this is going to go bad immediately. And then the guy, the other guy's like, hey, uh, watch the, the, the pressure. I got to go get my sausages before they explode. 
I just I, I like that whole little bit. It was it was it was a great minute or so of just yeah. like unabashedly goofy. And he, he knew that she's cursed, right? Because I remember when he like shows his mother the puppy, and then she like looks at the puppy, and he's terrified. Yeah, so yeah, I, think I think she's he, supposed to know that she's cursed. Yeah, I think at least he yeah at least he had a sense of that. Like I don't know that he knew knew anything, but like uh, he definitely was like weirdly sort of cold and uh, uh, just in conversation with her. Yeah. Um, those kind of sausages are known for exploding if you boil them too long. Uh, okay. Well, that's good to know. They are delicious. I really <laughs> want them right now. I've had a, you know, you know my, my, my wife has been out of town uh, for the weekend on a sort of geology outing. Uh, and I haven't been eating terribly, but I've been eating slightly worse than normal. But I think I've been eating more meat than I normally do. Not that we particularly avoid it, just like, you know, we'll cook stuff and there'll yep. be more vegetables involved. Uh, and so, yeah, I was like, normally I would be like, yeah, sausage. But I think I was sort of like, why did I eat all that sausage earlier? <laughs> <laughs> so I didn't, I didn't quite have that. But, uh, uh, oh, there was, a, you know, uh, uh, to, to try and make sure that we establish the bona fides of this being on a horror podcast, uh, you mentioned already they did some good stuff with practical effects. And, yeah, there's some solid stuff in there. One of one of my favorite little things in there is there's the were-owl transformation sequence where yeah. Olga, the uh, the apparently stuffed owl, turns out to be a, a live owl and then turns out to be a woman who got turned into an owl for 60 years as punishment for some sort of bad crime. Uh, none of which was explained to Anton when he was given an apparently stuffed owl uh, by his boss to take with him. Which was kind of a funny scene where he like he explains like you know he's like I'm going to do this to his boss and his boss is like all right let me get you let me get you a partner yeah. is what he says and then he's like going to the bookshelf and you're like all right he's going to give him like a book or some sort of weapon and then he just takes out this very clearly stuffed owl he's like here you go and tosses it to him like, Anton tosses it back yeah. He and then he just throws it out the, it out the window, and then it turns into an owl. <laughs> but yeah, it was it was a nice little it, you know essentially is a reverse werewolf sequence, and uh, it was pretty minimalist. You know, they they mostly they did a lot of stuff with like real tight shots, a lot of stuff off camera, good sound design, sort of reaction shots, a lot uh, of splattering goo feathers. and feathers. Yeah, yeah fingernails. You know, sort of talons retracting into just normal fingernails. Um, the whole thing was pretty solid. And and I, I appreciated that it was simultaneously Anton being sort of like awkward and aware that there was suddenly a naked woman around, but not like a weird sort of like dwelling on it or sexing it up at all in the movie. Yeah, just, she's, yeah, a, she, she's a naked woman uh, covered in slime and feathers and be like, hey, I need to take a shower. It's like, okay. Oh, no, it's, it's, even, it's even better than that. Like you like the whole transformation sequence, like you, you, you don't see it because she makes, um, she makes Anton turn around and he's facing this mirror and... And, like, every time she tries to turn around, she, like, yells at him this, like, terrifying voice to just turn back around. And, you know, there's all these, like, hideous noises and just, like, goop and feathers flying everywhere. And then you just sort of see her, like, come up behind, like, directly behind him, very close. And you you see his face in the mirror and you see, like, her face in, like, shadows and she's covered in goop and feathers. And she just, like, you know, very softly says, are you scared? And then his reply is, the shower's on the left. Yeah. <laughs> And then she sprays herself in the eye with soap. <laughs> I don't even yeah, know. it's just just a great way to cap that scene. Is that you know, like it, you know, it's like this terrifying scene. And then like showers over there, and he like he uh, he goes to his uh, his neighbor to like see if his neighbor has any women's clothing. Um, and you know, as he comes back, like you see like a shot of her in the tub, and it's hey, it's a it was a uh, topless shot that was not lascivious. 
which was okay. And then she's like, she's got this soap dispenser. She's like, how does this work? And she pumps it and just sprays soap directly into her eye. Um, and it was very, very funny. Which maybe they didn't have pump soap 60 years earlier. Yeah. So yeah. I think that's, uh, yeah. The, I also love that scene where he, where he goes and asks the neighbor because the neighbor is this, yeah. this young like kid, like, you know, maybe like, you know, late teens, early 20s, that sort of territory who also happens to be a vampire and knows that Anton is a night watcher and so essentially is a cop. Uh, but at the same time, they're sort of like friends. But he's, he's very not- cool. He's got he's got a bucket hat and a red jacket and a yeah. T-shirt with uh, Haley. Was that Haley Selassie on his T-shirt? I don't know who that is. The guy who founded Rastafarianism? Oh, I, I think know. that was like a Haley Selassie t-shirt tucked into his jeans. Nice. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, uh, oh yeah, the scene where they introduce him uh, is when, like, in the beginning when Anton wakes up and it's like 12 years later and uh, he goes to drink some blood because... Yeah, he gets a call he, that he has to do some work and he just drinks yeah. some blood. And then they're just like, remember to take your weapon and you see him, like, open a drawer and rifle through it and take out a flashlight and screw, like, a special uh, light into it. And they're like, don't get the light wrong this time, which, you know, is a nice, like, sort of foreshadowing to the fact that he's not great at his job. Yep. Um, and then he goes to, like, visit this kid and the kid's like, Anton, you're up early. And you don't know where you're going with it because, it may, you know, it might just be that they're both incredibly hungover. And it's just like, and but then it turns out, you know, the kid is a vampire and he takes him down to the market. Uh, to see his dad. His dad gives him some pig's milk, which really reminded me of a scene from, was it Once Bitten? Um, no, yeah, it was Once Bitten. It was a, it was a horror comedy with vampires in the 80s, like a teen horror vampire comedy. Yeah, I never saw it. Very popular. I think we talked about this before, that these were very popular in like uh, the late 80s. Um, but there's there's a scene where you know like after the kid is bitten by the vampire and he becomes a vampire and he goes to the uh, he goes to the butcher and he's just like all right let me get like a slab of bacon and a thing of cold cuts two of those pork chops a thing of pig's blood and uh, you know uh, another couple of pork chops it's like that scene in The Simpsons where Homer's buying fireworks yeah and it's like that and then he's just like he's like how much and the guy's like forty five dollars he's like how much for just the pig's blood. <laughs> Um, so yeah, it reminded me of that a lot. And then that also had like a thing that I don't know whether it was happening metaphorically or not, because he drinks all of this blood and, um, he doesn't need to drink blood. It's, it's sort of established that they, they have a use, like the, it gives them certain abilities to drink blood, but they're not dependent on it. Yeah. It, it, it seems um, apparently, it seemed like specifically because he was going vampire hunting, drinking some blood. Uh, put him on like the same wavelength as the vampire or yeah. worse thing, um, and then like he drew like you know he drinks this uh, you know a, a solid cup of uh, blood, and then you see his like face just briefly pulse red, and you could see his veins, and he looks incredibly ill, and this happens a couple <laughs> more times, and it's really effective at telling you like that uh, he should not have done this, yeah. but um, but yeah, again, I don't know if that happens, like if that you're supposed to interpret that as something that's happening on screen, and if you are it's kind of weird and if you're not it's like really effective as like an emotional sort of yeah it felt like more of a figurative thing to me than like literally because i mean later then we see him looking at like the kids just like brain (laughs) blood vessels which i'm pretty sure you know he maybe is subjectively actually 
seeing that, but I think it's more likely that he's having this sort of blood sense thing going on there, and we're just getting a nice visual. Yeah, it's like a sixth that. sense and not his, like, his actual, like, x-ray vision going go on. Also, in the setup for that whole thing, the, like, the guy who called him on the phone to give him the assignment was like, oh, it's really important that we have you on, like, you need to be on the exact same wavelength, and I think that mm-hmm. might have been, like, part of what, what the blood drinking thing was. Um, but also the fact that he didn't have any, and he, he settled for pig's blood. Like, I think that was supposed to be gross, but also maybe like literally like using the shitty off brand batteries sort of thing. Yeah. Like, well, it, it's close, but it's not quite there. And maybe that's part of why he had trouble with the goddamn vampire later was like, you know, he was like about 90%, uh, rather than well, he had also vomited all the blood up. Oh yeah, that's right. That happened after that. Um, Anyway, yeah, I, I thought that was a fact. But 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 later, so he's gotten in that thing. He's he's ended up accidentally killing Andre the vampire, and so his neighbor, the kid, is now being really cold because like you know you you fucking killed a vampire, and sort of like the kid's vampire dad had warned him like you know the guy's a cop, the guy is a yeah. cop. The reason he needs blood is because he's hunting one of us, you know. And the kid was like, no, nah, but Anton's cool. But then after that went bad, the kid's like, mm-hmm. and so so Anton comes to him and just knocks on the door and point like says hey do you have any women's clothes yeah and it's like you can't tell like it's basically a real stone-faced interaction partly because the kid is already acting stone-faced and anton's just like as overwhelmed and just worn the fuck down as he is for almost the entire film and so he just sort of asks us and sort of a deadpan staring at each other uh while you sort of process through are you saying you think i wear women's clothes yep. are you saying you wear women's clothes <laughs> Why the fuck, you know? And, then, and but there's no explanation. And then Anton's like, uh, "Forget it, I'm sorry," and goes back inside. And then the kid shows yeah. up with a suitcase of his mom's old clothes. After yeah, all. which, yeah, it's, and it's one of those things where it's he he's clearly knows the whole time what's up with Anton and what he did, and yet he still helps him out. Yeah, which I think you know just sort of like adds a a level of of complexity to. Um, to what do you call it? Uh, just like the interaction between the light and the dark, where they're 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 mortal enemies, but like by the time it's modern day, like the relationship between any two members is much much more complicated than that. Yeah. Um, and you know the kid also has like some legitimate grievances. It's just like why are you the ones who license us when you're you're killing people too, when you're 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 entrapping us, you're giving us you know you're set, you're using like living people to bait us, yeah. which is in no way more moral yeah. than what we're doing. <laughs> and that was that was that was one of the interesting little bureaucratic details we did mm-hmm. get was the problem with Andre the vampire was not that he was a vampire because there's vampires around and they're licensed mm-hmm. and and he yeah. I, I think Andre specifically had filed for and gotten a license to turn this girl who was into him into a vampire as well. So he right. did the bureaucratic paperwork to be legally allowed to turn that mortal woman into a vampire and presumably a a dark other uh, to some extent. Oh, I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe she's yeah. just a vampire, not an other even at that point. But regardless, he then didn't get her a license to feed. And so she was going to feed on that kid. And that was the problem. That's why the night watch showed up and that's what Anton was trying to intervene with. But then Anton ended up inadvertently killing the guy without getting that cleared. And so that was unlawful. And yeah, uh, that, that, that whole sort of substrate of like, you know, the clusterfuck that they don't dwell on it too much, but still, uh, I really, I, I guess I really do like that that aspect of the story that it has become so codified and and that's kind of like that's part of the thing it's like if you really take seriously the idea of this truce and this uh balance between good and evil mm-hmm. and a, a a big standoff 
that is what would happen, you know, if it if it modernizes, it would become this codified bureaucratic thing. It would become this situation where you you're literally rules lawyering the details of how you manage the eternal struggle between dark and light. Because if you guys can't just take off the gloves and go crazy on each other, you got to have rules. And if you got to have rules, they start to get detailed and kind of stupid and absurd once you start looking real close at it. So, uh, yeah, and. Um yeah, and the um, what do you call it? And it's sort of appropriate that Buffy was on in an episode of this, just because of like the the multitudinous like rules and regulations around vampires on that show. Yeah, um, and I liked when they, you know, after he like kills the guy and they're and they're they're getting out of there, um, you know, like this uh, was it a BMW that pulls up? It was like some sort of like fancy ass rich people car and a guy that looks like a mobster by which i mean he's like wearing sunglasses at night he's got a shaped head and he's wearing a red adidas tracksuit. Um, yeah that definitely like yeah. to, to my very limited vibe of it said sort of like this is this feels like russian mafia sort of like from my limited american pop culture mm-hmm. reference for like the take yeah it was definitely early. supposed to be like you know they're sort of like you know these you know bedraggled government employees who you know are just like they're clearly like they don't have a lot of funding and they're not like the best cut out for this job and this guy shows up in like a flashy car and it's clearly supposed to be like a a, a uh, what do you call it uh you know, polar opposites sort of thing between their their appearance, I think. And he's just like, I'm arresting your member for murdering one of us. And they're just like, uh, we didn't see anything. I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> and then the guy's just like, oh, he just, it, nothing happens from that. Like, he shows up. And, I mean, I think, you know, Daywatch probably has to, like, clean up the place and figure out what's going on because they have their own bureaucracy there. Yeah. But he's, you know, like, the first one in the scene. Um and and yeah, like the just going forward back to you know when the, the the whole thing with like getting the women's clothing for the kid, the kid gives him his like mother's old clothing for uh, Olga, the 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 owl woman, um, and then yeah, so he uh, what do you call it? The kid starts like yelling at Anton, being like, you know, you killed one of us, and Anton just sort of like, and this is happening like over their their doorstep, and Anton just sort of like looks around, grabs the kid by his neck, and just like chucks him in the house. Which I thought was, you know, uh, pretty like, you know, it's like, we're not like about to have this conversation in the open. Yeah. (laughs) And then he's just like, and then, you know, he he proceeds to explain to the kid being like, do you know what that guy did? And then they go back and forth a bit. And uh, then Olga comes out like from the shower. She's just like, oh, he's just a vampire. He's fine now. But, you know, what about wait till he gets the hunger and you're going to get hungry, right? Right. And the kid's like, yes. And he yells at her, which I thought was, you know, that she's not. You know, she's in another movie. Like she would like immediately be like, "Oh no, I got to kill you right now!" And then Anton would have to stop her from killing him, and then there'd be sort of an uneasy thing, like an uneasy truce between them. Now that you know he saved his life, even though he killed one of them. But in this movie, it's just it's a lot more blasé than that. It's just yeah, like everybody's you're not- sort of accustomed to it, and, and they're sort of like just willing to acknowledge, yes, shit's kind of yeah. weird and fucked up. Yeah, uh, without goggling constantly at it or getting over dramatic, which is yeah, it's nice. Yeah. Uh, I, I liked I liked the fact that Anton's you know criminal violation of the Daywatch code or whatever there mm-hmm. remained this thing in the movie where like it was a discussion point but never turned into some big like and now in the third act we're going to have the big trial with the you know moving defense yeah. speech before the chamber of uh, whatever other commerce uh, yeah. it's just and sort of like a thing that happened and oh well that's going to be a pain in the ass. Yeah, and, and I mean, there was actually one scene where he has, like, this emotional catharsis, and it becomes pretty clear that he did not want to kill the guy. Yeah. Uh, which I think is, um, 
you know, I think that's also uh, just just one of those things that you don't see a lot. Where in a, you know a lot of other you know action or uh, movies or like uh, urban fantasy action movies, the, the killing is indiscriminate. It's yeah, it's just, very you know, video game. It's very like okay, and now here's the scene where I kill a bunch more people. Yeah, uh, and in this and one, then we'll like, go back to having a discussion where I'm in any way a moral creature whatsoever. Yeah. And in this one, he he under like he he understands what he did, and he is in no way like proud or bolstered by like getting one of the guys from the other side. He's just he he regrets having had to do that. Yeah, um, which was nice for just like the dimension of the character. I, I thought it was uh, speaking of the sort of disparity and sort of like you know civil servant versus driving a fancy car thing. Just more generally, that seemed to extend to some of the thematic definition of sort of like the light versus the dark uh, of this sense of like the the dark is definitely the cool side. Like there, there's no question at all. The dark is like they're they're wearing the the flashy clothes and driving the flashy cars, and Zebulon's got a a rad haircut and a a skull spine sword when he wants to. Uh, one of the one of the agents of of the day watch there is also just a Russian spice girl uh, pop starlet, you know all this stuff. And then yeah, we've got we got the jumpsuits and the Ghostbusters on the on the yeah. night watch side basically. Uh, which I, I feel like they run with some of this uh, in the second film too, but it's, it's been a while since I've seen it, and I think I'll just have to watch it again. But uh, but yeah, I don't know. That's that's. I, I like the film a lot. I think that's – I'm easily through my notes on it. You know, I can keep saying that I liked it, but I think that's pretty much what I had to say. Is, it's just – it was really – it was great to watch again. It was refreshing when I first saw it. It still holds up really well, you know, 10 years later here. Yeah, I'm just – I'm trying to think of more stuff. Oh, um, so when the kid uh, – when his mom – like she, she tries to get a babysitter and she can. She's like, ah, "You're 12. You're old enough to watch yourself. I'm leaving." Um, so first, their apartment is great with like the or, like the like the blue carpeting and the 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 orange mohair like rectangulary couch, and then like the zebra print office chair. It's it's. I can't say I've seen things exactly like that in people's apartments, but it comes so close. Um, and uh, once she leaves, uh, and when there he's waiting for them to get there he's whittling a steak he's <laughs> watching that. buffy, he's watching and, buffy he's whittling and a steak well and he's been attacked by a vampire and so he's watching buffy and yeah. just <laughs> it doesn't look like he's taking the to steak thing super serious or anything like he's not sitting there shaking and you know hurriedly trying to make a weapon he's just like oh you know smiling he's along. going to town on a branch with a giant make a, knife yeah i think i'll just make a i'll make a steak yeah vampires you know it was it, it was nice he yeah. it seemed like the psychology of a 12 year old more than uh and then when um what do you call it? when anton and uh and olga come over and they're like you know explaining everything to him so he's just like so you guys don't eat and anton's like yeah we eat somebody would offer us then he just like sort of winks at the kid and he's like oh crap i'm sorry and he just goes to cook them food which is just a very very russian sort of thing where if you have guests you you have to give them food it, it is incredibly rude for people to show up to your house and you do not like not even so much as offer food but start putting food out on the table and wait for them to start eating um, and yeah, so he goes to cook them some, some dumplings, uh, which was funny cause we had, uh, right before, I, I didn't even know if I had done this on purpose, but, uh, we had ordered food on Saturday night and we ordered from a Russian place, which, uh, there's not a lot of Russian places that deliver for reasonable prices and we found one and it was, uh, so we had Russian food and then I watched this. <laughs> nice. Um, 
Yeah, let me see. Well, what that's funny because similarly, this movie's called Night Watch, and I watched it at night. Oh, yeah. huh? Yeah. 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 <laughs> the name of the light company um, is so it it it's one of those uh, acronyms that's not an acronym because it uses syllables from the word instead of like the whole word. Okay. Like you see it a lot in like Russian acronyms like Politburo, Gulag, or. Uh, uh, common turn stuff like that, and then in English, I mean, it, it's sort of like a portmanteau, but it doesn't make a word that sounds natural. Like in English, it would be something like uh, like SeaTac Airport, or uh, yeah, or like AmeriCorps, or I mean, if it would be called or AmeriCorps, I guess um, Bevmo. Yeah, yeah, exactly. It, it's one of those kind of things, and it's uh, the it's Gorsviet, uh, um, which. Uh, literally just means uh, like the, the, the what it would stand for is Gordsviet, which is just town or city electricity. So it just literally means the city electric company. Sure. Um, but first of all, his last name uh, Gradetsky means of the city, and so his name is sort of reflected in the company name. Mm. Uh, the name, the first name of the girl who has like the hex on her, uh, who's causing the vortex, is Svetlana. Uh, short for which is Svieta, which is like the second part of that name, which was interesting. <laughs> um, and that word, it means it, it means light, like it means like literal light, but it could also mean sort of like holy light, and by extension, just the concept of holiness or like goodness, as opposed to like, like a sort of a, a what do you call it, um, like spiritual or like religious goodness. Um, and uh, so, yeah, that the name of that could also be like city of like holy light, or possibly mountain of holy light. Um. So yeah, I, I thought that was, and I I can't figure out how much of that is intentional because just stuff like this in Russia is very much a you know uh, what is that phrase uh, Dharma Kanjalat attend Tanagra sort of thing, yeah. where it's just like littered with references. I mean, do you know about you know the movie Russian Ark? Nope. Um, it's, it's, it's a, uh, it's, it's an art film, um, that just takes place, I think, in the Hermitage, and it's just one long tracking shot for a couple of hours as things happen, and my mom went to go see it, and, like, the things that she told me about it were not present in any sort of thing I had read about it, because they're just these, all these very, very, like, minute allusions to cultural stuff, uh, that... You know, you you don't like. I mean, you you you'd see it something like in in um, what do you call it in in Arrested Development. Like Arrested Development would do a lot of stuff like that, but it would do it as gags instead of just like like literary illusions. Yeah. Um. And and so yeah, I'm wondering how much of that there is in this movie that I just totally missed. Um. And also stuff like you know the wordplay in in that name. Um. And in. I, I assume I assume everybody's name in this has some sort of significance outside of the fact that a bunch of them are just big local names. Um, I think what's her name, the Svidlana, the woman who caused the vortex. I think her last name was like just translates to roughly like of Nazarene, hmm. um, which is you know for a movie that did not have there were no like explicit religious sort of things in this movie. Which I thought gave it, um, like, for a movie about supernatural horror um, that did not have, like, an explicitly sort of, like, religious or anything 
having to do with religion tone to it. Like, you know, the battle back then was, you know, it, it could have been between, uh, you know, Christian armies, but it, you know, not, not by any means necessarily, or it could be just very like recently. And, um, you know, there's no, no, uh, it's, it's just extracted like, like the sort of mythology from, with stuff that would have to do with religion and other sort of media where yeah. you would see, you know, supernatural stuff like this, you know, vampires and blood drinking and curses. Um, but yeah, like it, it extends past that into like, you know, sort of like an old, older spirituality. Uh, like, you know, with the, with, with the old woman who is, I mean, she's, she's, she's a wizard basically. Yeah. She's, you know, it's, it's, it's witchcraft, but it's, uh, she, she's treat, I guess in she's treated as less of like a witch and like you know as like somebody who is you know gave themselves up to the dark powers and just like have been corrupted and more of just like somebody who has learned the ways of magic and are using it for among other things their own gain. Yeah, it seems it seems more like applied you know you know applied Wicca versus you know green skin and a wart cackling on a broomstick sort of in yeah. terms of the sort of setting of it in the in the context of lady living in an apartment in the city. Yeah. And it's like, you know, not a great, she clearly has not used her powers for great personal gain. Um, although, yeah, that's one thing, you know, that this movie is a lot of it is on location, which is great because you are not hard up for, you know, shitty looking, almost post-apocalyptic <laughs> urban landscapes in Russia. Um, there was a, uh, what do you, um, there was one really long zoom that I'm still wondering what the hell was going on. Did you did you see like there was a very very long uh, lens zoom like across a skyline? It, uh, I, it was probably like one of the longest close ups I've seen in a movie. What was the what was the shot? Um, it was it was a really it was like a shot over like you know a skyline that zooms into a street and then it cuts to that street and i think the uh the vampire girl is walking down the street okay yeah it's it's i didn't apparently didn't hit me at the time i maybe i was looking down and typing something Mm -hmm. i mean i remember her walking through the street i just uh yeah i'm not remembering the specific zoom so i i declined to engage on the subject (laughs) You could take your thing you thought was visually interesting and shove it. Uh, <laughs> this is the sort of thing that if we were like a, a, an editing and planning and writing podcast, we could like you know settle out ahead of time. But, uh, no, it's, but yeah, let's yeah. just settle for the occasional embarrassing uh, failure to connect. Uh, <laughs> well, did you have anything else from it? Um, trying to think of a couple of things. The scene where uh, Tiger Cub and uh, Bear make out was oh, yeah. just that was also one of those things that they just left hanging like all of a sudden two characters from this movie just start making out no reason and then they stop and they go back to work yep because uh, they realize that like in the time that this taken them to make out they have lost their charge you had one job guys yeah um <laughs> let's see uh, I think I'm yeah I think that's that that's all the things that I can really really think of for um, for this movie. All right. Well, yeah. that's some solid work. A little bit shorter than average because we liked it. You know, it 
turns out yeah, that's this how is what happens when we do not have like numerous, numerous nits to pick. How did we do like two and a half hours on my bloody Valentine? You know, I think, and, and, and I think this is a reasonable, uh, gentle criticism uh, that we've gotten a couple of times. It's like to some extent we should just be okay saying, you know what, that was bad. Let's stop talking about it instead of feeling like you know we need to summon up something to justify the fact that we're recording it. Then I feel like we just sort of we dig in, we get into some serious fucking doldrums. Yeah, and, and, I, I think our episode on like the last of the Hellraiser movies is close to three hours long. <laughs> well, that was that kind of have been fun for that, anybody. That was also sort of like end of an era right there too. Like we knew we were done. You know, I think we may have talked some more about just the whole thing too. <laughs> Uh, especially since we didn't know, I, I don't think we'd established at that point informally that we we're going to keep going, even though we both kind of yeah. wanted to. Uh, yeah. Well, I, 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 again, I enjoyed the hell out of this movie, and I, yeah. I will enjoy the hell out of watching the the sequel again. Uh, maybe they'll make some more sometime since there's more material in the books. Uh, maybe I'll try and try. I, I'm, I'm assuming the books exist in translation, and people aren't just saying, "Oh yeah, it's great. Learn to read Russian." Um, um, at least a few of them are. Uh, let me check. Like I know at least the, the the first couple of them are. Yeah, but it seems it seems like it would be if it feels like it would be fun to read through. Like I I, I can believe I would dig the source material on this a lot, uh, yeah. just as sort of like a fun uh, romp to to go through in writing. Oh yeah, no yeah, it looks like they're all translated. Cool. Maybe I'll check them out sometime. Uh, other than that, you know, everybody is listening at this point probably knows the drill already but we got the facebook page for the uh, podcast and the tumblr for the podcast and yep. feel free to drop by conversation on the facebook page is always welcome you know comments suggestions thoughts uh flame go- wars getting yeah. into fights goading each other huge, uh, huge huge fights are, are always okay yeah um tell your friends and post as many memes as you can yes absolutely if, if if you can find any pictures of dresses that have ambiguous coloring and and are in a horror film, just let us know. I think we can probably make something work there. Um, <laughs> and yeah, the you know go to iTunes, rate us, maybe type a review, uh, type some bad reviews of our competitors' podcasts. Yeah, yeah. Any any horror podcast that isn't ours, just 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 slag, just slag. Like I think don't we have. Do that. I, I checked on iTunes. I think on the podcast page we have one like automatically generated viewers who like this, also like another podcast, and we have our first one, which is uh, hey. Kumail Nanjani's podcast about the X Files. <laughs> That's awesome. It's and I'm surprised it's not the other podcast about Hellraiser. <laughs> <laughs> Go figure. Uh, so maybe just something about uh, yeah, I don't even know. I don't, I don't know what the deal is there, but Kamel is great, so that's that's good company. Uh, now we just need ours to go up as a suggestion when people look at his. I think it'll be the real trick, uh, but <laughs> we'll get there. Uh, all right, well, pleasure talking to you, as usual, sure. Yeah. And uh, I think I think we might be off for a month here. You have some stuff coming up that's pretty busy. I actually have some busy stuff coming up too. Let me see, I uh, I'm going to be on vacation uh, in for when the next episode was supposed to take place. And then you said you've got something the week after that on the 22nd. Yeah, maybe. So we'll, we'll have to see. Yeah. Short version. We'll probably not be here right on the dot in a fortnight, but we'll get back to you in, you know, three or four weeks when we can. Uh, and yeah, I think that's about it. So, you know, uh, Vladivostok and, uh, uh, real politic. I, I don't know any Russian at all. Actually, it turns out. Uh, Gorbachev. Добрый вечер.